Welcome back to the Wellness Alchemy Podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Twine, naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist, and the owner of Seeds of Health. I've got a special interest in skin health, running my three-month skin alchemy program, and also fasting with an annual fasting retreat in far north Queensland each September. Today's guest on the podcast is Claire Baker. She's a sought-after period coach and author of her new book, 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods. We get to dive into this today on the podcast. For nearly a decade, she has taught women how to live in harmony with their menstrual cycle rather than working against it. She believes menstrual cycle awareness is the missing key in women's well-being, empowerment and creativity. Teaching lots of online courses and providing heaps of resources via Instagram, her favourite channel. She has a background in visual arts and creative business. She's a certified health and life coach and has studied menstruality leadership and is trained as a natural fertility teacher. She's originally from Australia, however, now lives in sunny East London, and she's known for making periods fun. Let's dive in. So welcome to the podcast, Claire. Oh, thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, um, I guess I'm particularly excited about this interview because I've been on my own journey over the last 20 something years, you know, starting with the pill for a couple of years in high school and then for, for the reason of trying to sort my skin out. And then my beautiful cousin, who's about seven years older than me, let me know about charting my cycle. So when I was about 19, I, I started taking my temperature and diving into this world that was really foreign, but I did it anyway. And then that's kind of led me down this rabbit hole of menstrual cups and jade eggs and chemicals and emotions and food and, you know, studying naturopathy. And I just think what you've collated in your new book and what you speak about on your Instagram and, you know, what you offer knowledge wise is just so empowering for women. So I'm particularly excited to have you on the podcast. Mm, Wow. Thank you so much. I, I felt, if I'm honest, a little bit envious when you said that you discovered that um, the magic of charting your cycle at 19. How extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it was quite confusing all the same. Mm. There was so much to wrap my head around. And, yes, I understood what I was sort of looking for, but I don't know if the person I was working with simplified it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, you know, I was diving into the world of it, but there was still so much more to know. And I think what you offer in your new book, which is called 50 Things You Need to Know About Periods, um, is just so well-framed, so simple, so digestible for both men and women. Thank you. I appreciate that feedback because that's certainly the intention I had when I set out to write this book. I started writing the proposal for this book four years ago and it's gone through various incarnations and it's actually gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and more simple as the years have gone on. And the final book now that is, that is now out in the world is, is, is simple and it is accessible and it can be implemented. It's, it's information that can be implemented right away and understood by somebody who, you know, I hope understood by somebody who has never come across this concept of charting your cycle and menstrual cycle awareness. There are so many amazing books and they're books that I refer to and that I love and treasure on menstrual cycle awareness and natural fertility that um, are so clinical and so overwhelming and just full mm. of so much information that like they're just a bit much for the, mm. you know, for the average person who just wants to, learn how to chart their cycle. They don't need to become an expert on the menstrual cycle, right? Like they just want to understand their body and learn to work with it. And it meant a lot to me that my book could be something that was yet digestible. It's exactly the word that I was going for. So I really appreciate that feedback. Mm, Good. Yeah. So I'd love you to start by telling us a little about yourself and what led you to be so passionate about empowering women around their cycles. Well, similar to you, Janelle, I uh, started taking, um, yeah, hormonal contraception when I was in my teen years because of skin problems. There you go. Um, my skin, I'd say it started breaking out when I was around 12 or 13. It was actually quite a bit of time before I started bleeding. It was a good couple of years. And 
oh god it was just I still remember the agony of of having acne and I mean that physically because it's painful but also just the mental obsession with how I looked and like trying so many different creams and lotions and oh god like everything antibiotics Mm. covering it with makeup it just nothing I tried worked and it was for me I think one of the most difficult parts of puberty was having this acne that just would not was just so angry and just wouldn't go away and the only thing that seemed to work well it was the first thing that really worked for me after um, trying so many different antibiotics and creams was the pill so Mm. I started taking the pill and it was like pretty instant it was astonishing how quickly it worked for my skin and it was a no-brainer for me I was sold I was like great (laughs) 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 done I wasn't having sex at that age if for me it wasn't yet you know it wasn't about contraception at at that point it was just the miracle answer to my teenage woes um, and so I stayed, yeah, I stayed on it. And I, you know, I remember trying to come off the pill in my early twenties and I'd try to come off and my skin would, you know, would start to break out again. And I remember speaking to my GP about it and he, he, you know, he said to me, well, cause I'd also been on Roaccutane, which is such an intense drug for acne mm. and that hadn't worked either. And, and the pill had, and he said, well, if Roaccutane didn't work and, and the contraceptive pills worked for you, then basically all I can tell you is that like you've got hormonal acne and the only way you can manage it is by taking hormonal contraception and you can just expect to have bad skin when you come off it. And so if you want to have children, then be prepared that you're going to have acne when you decide to come off the pill. Oh, what a disempowering statement. Oh God, I know. And so... I mean, I just was like, okay, well, I don't want to have children yet. I don't want to do it at some point. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep taking it. And so I kept taking it, but I've got to admit there was a niggle for quite some years, you know, because I had tried to come off it and it just hadn't worked. And so I must've been 25 or 26 and I just, I'd started taking better care of myself. I was practicing yoga and I was journaling again and just not drinking so much on the weekends and just taking better care of my money and taking better care of myself and taking um, care of my gut health. I was learning a lot about gut health and um, more organic products in the house and in my makeup bag. And I, I just couldn't shake the like, the, yeah, it just felt so contradictory to be taking this hormonal contraception every day when I was being so, I was spending, you know, more money and being more mindful about the chemicals and the products I was putting into my body. So I decided I was just going to come off it again and just see what happens. And of course, my biggest fear was that my skin was going to erupt. And long story short, it didn't. Um, my skin it has, that was eight years ago and my skin has been, yeah, perfect since. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Occasionally I'll get um, a pimple around ovulation or when I'm, pre-menstru- when I'm in the premenstrual phase, but absolutely like nothing compared to how it was and at the same time while my skin didn't break out my period also didn't come back so I had 12 months of waiting for my menstrual cycle to return having halted um, hormonal contraception and so yeah it was a year and for you know I knew that it would take a little bit of time and so for the first three months, I was like, okay, this is cool. No problems. By about the six month mark, I started to get it. I started getting a bit worried. So I, I started seeing a um, herbalist and um, Chinese medicine practitioner who we were doing you know, lots of acupuncture and herbs. I started going to um, lectures and workshops, learning more about the menstrual cycle because I didn't know, do you know, what I was even waiting for to come back. I was yeah, like, right. You know, I'm like, that makes complete sense. Yeah, because it's been so long. It had been so long. I had had such a small amount of time, I'd say 12 months of being, of having had a natural period before I started taking the pill. 
and then for 10 years I hadn't ovulated. So I was like, well, I know I'm waiting for my period to come back, but I don't really know what else I'm waiting for. Can I just just interject there? I feel like it's so important for people to know that despite you bleeding on the pill, that's not your natural cycle. And that might be a given for a lot of us, but I think there's definitely going to be some people listening to the podcast that don't know that. Of course. I, I didn't know that. I had Hmm. no idea. I knew of course that something was happening because I was having sex and I wasn't becoming pregnant, Hmm. but I had no idea what it, you know, what the pill was actually doing to my reproductive system. So it suppressed ovulation for 10 years. So naturally it's going to take a bit of time. And, And now I know in hindsight that for a lot of people, actually, it can take about 12 months. It took me about two years after coming off the pill for my cycles to, to not only return, but then to regulate. So it took time. But it was, you know, it was hard at the, in the moment. But I'm really glad that I had that experience because it, it was what catapulted me into this work. I just became exactly. obsessed yeah, with learning. I can appreciate why now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to learn everything that I possibly could about charting and hormones. And um, I was just fascinated. I was already working at, by this point with, um, with women as a, a health and life coach. And so naturally it became a really big part of our, our sessions and our conversations and everything I was learning, I was sharing with them. And um, as I began to notice patterns in my cycle, when it returned and the different phases, then um, I would be you know, ask clients if they were noticing different patterns in their cycle and over the years I've, I've done various trainings and um and educated myself further and will continue to on an ongoing basis because it's just something I still remain incredibly fascinated by but that's mm. what that's what got me into into this menstrual cycle awareness work mm. yeah excellent okay so I think you know the what you just tapped into there was your your thirst for wanting to know more despite knowing more i'm sure than the average person or the average woman um it's it's a constant um there's a constant depth to it isn't it and i think the juiciness is right there is that you know we as women are constantly changing and there's so much flux and there's so much beauty in that so um Mm. that constant inquiry is a beautiful thing yeah yeah Um, Yeah. for me it really felt like I came alive in a way that I hadn't felt before being off hormonal contraception and having my natural cycle return was such an incredibly different experience of my physical body my mental health my spirituality like my creativity my sexual energy everything (laughs) changed so mm. like sprung back into life in a way that I hadn't even realized it had been dead. Mm, <laughs> so maybe suppressed. Yeah, it's suppressed is probably a better word mm. for all of those years. It had really, I hadn't realized um, because you don't know, do you? That's no chalked up to being normal. You and don't then, know um, until you know. Yeah, exactly. And then it, I knew really quickly, it was like, oh, right, something different is going on here. This is, yeah. this is new. Mm. Yeah. Okay, great. So I'd love you to um, dive into the four phases of the menstrual cycle. So I think it's common to possibly know, you know, bleeding phase, which is um, the winter phase, you term it, and then ovulation, which is summer. But I don't know if as many women know about the spring and autumn phases. So I'd love you to speak to those four phases and just share a bit of knowledge around, you know, either how you navigate your life around them or what they are or what you feel to speak to. Yes, this is this is what I mean when I say that I noticed um, that I had a very different experience being off hormonal contraception because I realized that yeah there was menstruation and there's still bleeding I'd still had you know this week of bleeding but when you're on the contraception hormonal contraception you have those that withdrawal bleed and then the rest of the time is literally just the same because you're taking the same hormone every day whereas a natural menstrual cycle actually ebbs and flows and there are these four distinct hormonal phases. In fact, our hormones are changing daily, hourly, 
and it's it is a very different experience so there is this ebb and flow in the menstrual cycle so as you say to now we've got menstruation and ovulation which i consider to be the two poles of the menstrual cycle we've got a release of blood at menstruation and a release of an egg at ovulation and we're either going to be hanging out in those two or we're going to be transitioning between them in those transition seasons as you say are the spring and the autumn or pre-ovulation and pre-menstruation so we'll start with um start with pre-ovulation this is the spring phase and this is uh, akin to like coming out of the period cave coming back out into the world it's that that feeling of um of energy and lightness in the body once we finish bleeding estrogen is um on its way up so we're having this lovely linear increase of hormones here and for a lot of people, this can feel great. There's this surge in physical energy, feeling more focused, feeling like wanting to get back out into the world, particularly if we have taken time to rest or chill, not do quite as much when we're bleeding. And then this spring energy is very much about like getting us up, getting us back out into the world. And we're moving up towards ovulation here. So like the season of the year, it's um it's a tender time you know blossoms are starting to to expand and grow and you know and flower but we're not yet at the peak of the year so there's this sort of sense of anticipation and building and i really love to use my spring to get moving on projects with work i'm like always surrounded by post-it notes and my calendars and it's quite a playful time it's a good time to just get started on something like start something new whether that is a project at work or whether that is a self-care routine or a, a fitness plan or a um you know a new ritual in your day this is a really good moment in the cycle i think we you know we're really supported by spring energy to start things and we've got a lovely view of the rest of the cycle here as well so spring energy is it is a really beautiful energy and it's a growing waxing energy, but it's important um, to be mindful of that for some people, actually, this can be a very sensitive season in the cycle as well. And they might feel quite sensitive to that estrogen increase or perhaps leaving the, leaving the like comfort and safety of menstruation might feel a bit overwhelming as the lights of the world turn back on for other people. They experience a bit of anxiety or overwhelm here, particularly if they, I'm putting my hand up for this, have the tendency to overload their plates here in the spring, get a little bit too excited. <laughs> Over-enthusiastic. <laughs> exactly. Just get a bit too excited and, um, and put yeah, a little too much, again, forgetting that we're not quite yet at the peak of the hormonal cycle yet. And, you know, for a lot of women and people who bleed, this is their this is this is a great season this is a good a good season and so when i am sharing menstrual cycle awareness with somebody who's brand new to it they often can relate to this feeling of like mm. you know the week after your period ends and you've got that surge in energy and you feel light in your body and you're ready to get back out into the world because that does you know i can understand why that feels good for people then we are moving into the summer phase so this is ovulation and ovulation is the peak in the hormonal cycle so we have the highest levels of estrogen here so estrogen has taken us all the way up to the summer we get a bump of testosterone as well and the combination of those hormones um, lends itself to feeling more confident more resilient stronger quite social um, more extroverted i'm naturally very introverted i need a lot of time on my own to recharge but in my summer phase i, I i'm good you know i can yeah. i can talk all day i can see my friends in the evenings i can make far more time for my partner i've i've kind of got all the plates spinning and and it's all right i i have this real sense of like superwoman energy and mm. that i've got my life together it's kind of the one week where i really feel like i can tend to everyone you know yeah. and i can make i've got my to-do list sorted i've got social stuff ticked off i feel like i'm i'm making it to, to class I'm, I'm exercising my body i'm eating well i'm packing the freezer with food for the rest of the cycle like I'm cooking and baking cakes for friends like it's just such a generous energy here 
And again, you know, it can definitely be a week of the month that um, people really value and, and enjoy being in that energy. And it's no, you know, we don't need to explain why that is, but at the same time, again, ovulation can feel overwhelming for some people. The, the process of ovulation actually drains their energy. Um, if there are complex feelings around conception or contraception, because this is the fertile phase in the menstrual cycle um feelings around motherhood becoming a mother not becoming a mother like there it is also a complex time because it's very it's a very powerful time it's a very creative time fertile time high sexual energy you know i know if there have been issues in the past around um, sexual trauma or complex feelings around sexual desire like there's a lot that can come up period ovulation as well. So while I often sing its praises, I'm important. I think it's important to remember that for some people, this can be quite an intense season and they're actually quite happy mm. to see the other side of it. Mm. Um, that peak of hormones drops off. Mm. Yeah. So once we have the, the drop in estrogen post ovulation, um, I certainly feel this. It's like a real like, whew, okay, I'm kind of coming back into my body. The high of the last week or so is definitely beginning to fade. And this is a sign that we're moving towards our autumn phase, which is the premenstrual week. So we are, once we're, you know, a day or so beyond ovulation, the body is, is no longer fertile and we are moving towards um, the autumn. And again, some people really do love love their autumn because they love the they love the like truth telling like no f's given i i am who i am i'm really good at setting boundaries i love saying no i love the wild woman kind of creative energy of this phase of the menstrual cycle i love taking time for myself and i and i can do it easily whereas some other people struggle here really struggle because we've got quite a significant shift in hormones where estrogen has dominated the first half of the menstrual cycle and estrogen is very much like i said about getting us up and out of the house preparing us um, in our fertility it's very much about feeling great finding a mate looking fabulous Hmm. progesterone is there to nurture a potential pregnancy so this hormone is far more interested in bringing us back inside cozying up with a blanket and a hot chocolate staying safe like not doing anything too risky and just taking care of ourselves so i call this like the adulting phase because (laughs) we really are being asked here to like to take care of ourselves and this is no longer about taking care of everybody else and being that superwoman who can spin all of those plates i mean that's great for a while but you know even i don't want to stay there all the time at some Mm. point I want to tend to my needs as well. And so this is what this, this final, you know, this premenstrual week is asking us to do. Um, but the shift in hormones, in hormones from estrogen to progesterone and the, um, and the, the balance of estrogen and progesterone in this last week can be a bit off for some people and things like stresses in our lives, um, you know, lifestyle, diet, sleep, can all impact on how we feel in this premenstrual week. And Mm. so I understand that for some people, this is really tough. Like whether it's breakouts, bloating, mood swings, um, you know, from annoying premenstrual symptoms like that, right up until debilitating um, experiences like premenstrual dysphoric disorder, this can be a really tricky and tender week. And I think it's Mm. probably the most mismanaged um, oh yes, I couldn't agree, agree with you more. Just the the normalization of PMS and how okay. disempowering that is, and I guess that's why I feel so passionate about working with, you know, women's and hormones as part of my work because it's not normal. It's just mm. maybe become normal because there's so many people who can associate with that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear about the menstrual cycle is that it's ultimately designed to make us suffer whether mm. it's premenstrual symptoms or period pain or heavy menstrual bleeding um and it's just not you know it's just not the body it's is not, not designed. And, yeah and and what you what you offer just just uh shed so much light on the opposite frame of reference you know i love how you set up you've set up your instagram to reference 
day one to day 28 for those who don't follow Claire. And you've got these beautiful, um, I wouldn't say suggestions, there's a different word, um, offerings of, you know, how you're feeling in that moment. And then you reference them month to month. So as I, you know, look at your Instagram, I can look at day one and how it um, differs or is similar from mm. um, months and years prior. Is that is that clearly mm-hmm. said? I, you can speak to that if you've perfect. got a better way of framing it. Okay. No, that's perfect. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insightful. And I think, you know, you may notice um, similarities and you may also notice differences. And generally I'm assuming it's when something significant's happened or when you've travelled or, you know, whatever, whatever um, may be going on personally for you. And I guess that leads me to my next question because I'm curious how liver loaders and chemicals in your environment. Um, and when I say liver loaders, I'm referring to like coffee and alcohol and things that load the liver, put extra pressure on the liver. Do you notice they change your cycle in particular or clients that you're working with? I mean, I can speak for myself here. The answer is yes, they do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, they really do. They really do. It's kind of unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it? (laughs) I love coffee. I have always loved coffee. And oh gosh, it must have been maybe four years ago now, I I started to notice um, that I just wasn't metabolizing it particularly. And, And by that, I mean, I was becoming really anxious after drinking it. I noticed my jaw would be really tense, my stomach my digestion would be um, quite disturbed after drinking coffee. And I noticed that it was happening more as I was charting in my, uh, my luteal phase. So in that autumn phase of mm. my cycle. And so I started to experiment with just drinking it, say um, in the like spring and the summer when hormones were a bit less, I guess, dynamic and, um, and I had a you know more resilience in the body, and that worked for a while. I was just sort of having coffee for half the cycle, I guess, in what we could consider the more yang seasons of the cycle. Mm-hmm. When it is more yin, it's about slowing down and turning in. Then I, I wouldn't have any, and that worked for a couple of years. And I noticed that um, there was an imp- you know in, um, improvement in premenstrual symptoms, and like breast tenderness particularly for me when I didn't have any and so I started to experiment with just not having any coffee and unfortunately (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) for me there's an there's a really big link between caffeine and breast tenderness and there is some science that that is starting to back this up and that is you know that, that there are links between caffeine and premenstrual symptoms but all we have to do is again you know is think about liver loaders as you say and think about the process of hormonal elimination in the body specifically estrogen in that last um, week or so of the menstrual cycle to understand like the liver is playing quite a big role here um, processing and eliminating excess hormones from the body as we begin to move towards menstruation and the liver is overloaded and it can't do its job after ovulation because you know we're drinking lots of coffee or wine or sugar and stressed then it's going to direct its attention there and it won't be able to process hormones in the same way and so we can experience hormonal imbalances so yeah there is Mm. definitely a link do you find that there is in your Mm. work definitely yeah i guess the the kinder we are to our body, the easier our um, liver processes things and the, the um, more harmonious uh, things mm-hmm. function, you know, bodily functions happen. You know, our body has so much intelligence and I think if we give it the right environment to thrive and not load it full of things that are mm-hmm. hard work, mm-hmm. um, it, it can thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, I concur with that, what you yeah. said. Yeah, it's not about never having those those things, um, but just being mindful that if you are having like three cups of coffee a day and a few glasses of wine at night and you're living a stressed lifestyle and you're noticing that there are, um, you know, issues with your menstrual cycle, that could be a really easy place to actually start to notice changes. What I love about menstrual cycle awareness too, in the body, you know, the body is so responsive and its capacity to heal is infinite that like you notice it quite quickly 
You know, mm. you really do. And I often say to clients, if you're curious, if you've got a feeling that maybe something isn't working for you, why don't you just experiment with taking it out for one cycle, two, three, mm-hmm. and you will, you will notice within three months whether or not um, that, that particular you know, food or drink or whatever it is, change in lifestyle, something you've decided to tweak, you will get the feedback pretty quickly from your body. Mm, I agree with you. I mean, nothing's forever. And I feel like if you um, have the opportunity to experiment on yourself, just as you said, like, why not? If you've got the inkling, do it. Mm. And um, I think there's, there's often more willpower there when you've got something going on and you want it to change. Mm-hmm. So that can sometimes be the driver or the driving force mm-hmm. behind, okay, well, I'm going to give it a shot for three months um, mm-hmm. and, and see if things change. Sometimes it's a little harder when there's nothing niggling to um, mm. find the want to change. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I certainly wouldn't have taken out coffee if I didn't notice that it was, you know, causing me anxiety and, and saw having sore breasts mm. and I noticed so quickly that those, these things, um, Minim, you know, we're minimized. So it was an easy decision. As much as I love coffee, I prefer to not feel anxious. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. And when, and when you feel well and you get a sniff of that, you want more of that. Right. And yeah. I think the best situation is when you're feeling vital and well, stick it back in and notice how you feel then. Mm-hmm. And if, mm-hmm. if it's okay, you might ride that way for a little while, or you might start to notice anxiety creeping back in or whatever the symptoms are. And then you're like, well, actually, I think I felt better before, you know, it's always going to be your choice, the individual's yeah. choice, but um, yeah, I feel yeah. like you can always constantly make upgrades. And when you get that sensation of what well and vital feels like, it, it's just mm. this, for me personally, it's like this want for more. Yeah. Mm. I, I hear that. I think it's also important to mention there too, that it's not, I think sometimes we just want the quick fix and we want to know that there's just one thing that we have to change and then all of our symptoms will magically disappear. And maybe my mm-hmm. caffeine story might um, be sort of feeding that, that narrative. I, that's definitely not the case. There have been many other changes that I have made, mm-hmm. but that is one clear um, connection that I have definitely picked up on for me. But I wouldn't say that that's the only thing that I have done that has helped with the, you know, the um, minimization of those symptoms. I really want to make mm. that clear. And as you mm. say, like, it's less just about the coffee per se. And it's about, you know, vitality and how was that eroding my vitality that was then showing up as symptoms. So it's not quite as clear cut as that. Um, mm. it, it is more complex, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. What a beautiful reminder. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, um, I guess I wanted to mention the the really lighthearted way that you've expressed those four phases um, in your book. Number six, I made note of the way you've sort of um, articulated day one to day 28 and how relatable it is. And <laughs> I think it's, it's quite a refreshing um, reference point, again, for ma- both male and female. Um, and perhaps you know, if you are suffering with um, imbalances, Mm. referring to this day one to to day 28, you know, um, narrative really, and comparing whether you've got any correlation uh, Mm. to it, because um, obviously no cycle, no two cycles are the same, but um, there's a lot of... um, waves that we can be following if we're if we're following a natural cycle Mm, mm. yeah I appreciate you saying that there is a there is a very there's a natural order to the menstrual cycle I think sometimes it can feel like it's just all over the place for some people you know and I Mm. hear that all the time like my hormones are just all over the place I'm all over the place Mm. but actually a healthy menstrual cycle is, is very ordered and mm. it's, it's quite predictable. Um, mm. There is a, there are patterns and every, you know, everyone is different and every cycle is different, but there is 
you know, a sense of an inhale and an exhale in the menstrual cycle, mm. you will begin to notice as you chart that there are certain days where you notice that you're becoming, your energy is increasing and you're noticing, say, more cervical fluid and your sexual energy is increasing. You'll know the day when you're no longer fertile. You'll be able to chart that really clearly and, and be able to confirm that like we, we there are actually we can confirm you know where we are in the menstrual cycle it's not as if we're just lost out at sea charting mm. does actually give us like a handrail yeah. <laughs> you know that's a, yeah that's a great way to say it yeah someone that was once ridiculously attractive on day 14 maybe doesn't yeah. become so attractive on <laughs> day 23 exactly that's right and so then when on day 23 when you do notice that oh gosh I'm just not that bothered by social stuff right now I just want to spend time alone or I just really need a long bath tonight rather than you know guffing about with with anybody else then we are able to be more kind to ourselves and give ourselves what we actually need mm. because we're, we're understanding that this is what's happening in the body right now. And so while premenstrual symptoms aren't normal, it is normal to notice a difference in your energy and a difference maybe sleeping more, a difference in needing more time alone and your body like slowing down and preparing to bleed in that premenstrual week it's it's totally normal to feel different to how you felt a week ago or two weeks ago and it's an it's a natural process just to slow down like the autumn mm. in the year you know we don't it's a natural order of, of the year and of the four seasons and it's the same within our body it's natural and normal to feel that slowing down it's when we try to maintain the same pace and we try to still keep that superwoman cape on well beyond you know her time well into the last part of the cycle that we can come you know we can really struggle and i'm this you know i'm i i fall at this sometimes as well you know i i'll forget i'll overcommit i'll, I'll have too much on my plate in my autumn week and i haven't given enough time to myself and and I feel it. I feel it manifest as rage and frustration and anger and mm. and and like emotional outbursts because I haven't given myself the space and time to actually take care of myself and, and reflect and soothe myself. So that's still all got to you know that's that's all still there. Those emotions and those feelings are all still mm. there. So if I'm not going to create a space to let them out, they're going to come out in other ways. Yeah. So. I, I really think it's important, you know, to listen if those premenstrual symptoms are coming up for you, that there's something going on that your body is trying to give you some feedback on. And, and often I have observed in clients that by just giving ourselves a bit more of a break during that week and taking time out and slowing down and learning how to self-soothe and just saying no and setting boundaries, um, it's it's incredible how those, what we've labelled as like, premenstrual symptoms you know are actually just emotions that needed to be needed mm, to be released again i have to say acknowledged yeah that um that's not to discredit anybody's again experience of having you know, an extremely debilitating week they, that there can be more going on here we know that there's mm. links between historic trauma and pmdd so you know it might require the help of a professional actually to to help navigate that time if it's particularly dark for you but um a lot can be alleviated by just giving ourselves a bit of a break mm. Yeah. And I think why I jumped back to that is just, you know, we were speaking about liver loaders before and how that can possibly impact our cycle. Um, reading this narrative and getting some sort of reference point um, of ebb and flow, I think, you know, whether it is debilitating or just slightly off that week prior to bleeding, I think if you can just choose one thing that maybe you can start to investigate, even mm. if it's hydration you know some sort of flushing mechanism for the liver if you're not drinking enough water anything mm. heading in the right direction is is a good step mm. more sleep as well you know the basics mm. right like moving the body making yep. sure you're moving every day movement in, the, in that autumn week 
is just so important to keep that energy moving and mm-hmm. that can be like thrashing around in your lounge room to some music like it doesn't have to be a, a spin class if you don't feel like that but but a long walk or some yoga or some dance so getting enough sleep as you said drinking plenty of water prioritizing hydration um we're not talking about you know overhauling lifestyles here the really mm. like simple self-care basics are so powerful aren't they Mm. and perhaps even one other suggestion would be switching chocolates from processed Mm. chocolate to something wholesome with whole food ingredients you know like a a raw chocolate based off maple Mm. sugar or something rather than dairy milk and processed sugar you know that type of non-inflammatory ingredients is is beneficial i totally agree and 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 like have the chocolate like enjoy it Mm. um you know i think it's so important to find yeah good quality food something that's not inflammatory it's not going to do harm to your body there's so many beautiful chocolates now i love having like a hot um cacao with like just good cacao a bit of maple syrup and coconut milk in my autumn and it just feels like I just feel so satisfying because the body is naturally craving more sweet food. Sweet potato is another staple in my house when I'm in that luteal phase, just lots of sweet potato, like good complex carbohydrates that are going to satisfy that sweet craving without throwing my blood sugar levels off, which, mm-hmm. um, yeah, another, another thing to be considering, you know, are you eating enough, you know, eating enough in eating regularly enough as well? Um, because, any you know, changes in blood sugar can make a big difference in premenstrual symptoms too. Mm. Yeah. So you've spoken a little bit about, you've spoken a little bit to this next question, but I guess I'm curious if you've got any more to add on what you suggest to begin regulating our cycle. If we're currently dealing with something that's irregular and maybe not falling into these, um, these four phases that we've spoken of. Mm-hmm. So, it's really important if you notice, um, you know, quite significant changes in your menstrual cycle or that you're ovulating a lot later than normal or if you're experiencing like debilitating period pain and premenstrual symptoms to seek out the help of a healthcare professional. And that's what I have done in the past and will continue to do whenever I notice changes in my cycle. Um, the first step is usually maybe like a trip to my GP to just get like some bloods done. And that's how I've identified um, various things over the years, like low thyroid function, function, for example, and like polycystic ovarian syndrome, all sorts. And I do think it's really important to say that because again, I think we've so conditioned to believe that our menstrual cycle is there to um, make us suffer that women do put up with, changes and pain for far longer than they need to so I was experiencing really heavy menstrual bleeding a couple of years ago and ultimately found out it was a it was a feedback system from my body that um, my thyroid function was low and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to just figure that out by myself and so it's okay to to reach out and if you can find a, a holistic practitioner somebody who has a more integrative approach to medicine, then that's fantastic. I love working with um, with a naturopath in conjunction with my GP. Um, I've also worked with Chinese medicine doctors and herbalists over the years as well. So I just want to say that one first because you know people like you, Janelle, who are doing this work and they're actually able to support people and get those tests ordered if they if they need to. Um, it can save a lot of time and and energy because sometimes and suffering. And suffering, right? Because sometimes it can take years, can't it, for something to be diagnosed mm. um, because, you know, for whatever reason, it's taken a long time to reach out or haven't been able to find the right practitioner to help to get a diagnosis. Yeah, or as we spoke about at the start, I think I mentioned, you know, there's some sort of weird acceptance around, um, or you may have even said it, suffering being normal, you know, or that <laughs> psych, uh, periods are um painful and that's that's just to be dealt with like you've been mm. dealt a bad hand so yeah. I, I really back you on what you said there yeah that's that's the most important thing I think to say is that if you do if you are noticing like pain 
extreme changes um, in the menstrual cycle and, um, you know, just in changes in like the amount of blood that you're losing, all of these things, changes in cervical fluid, like it really is important to, to speak to somebody and it might all be good. And they might just say, that's cool. That's a totally normal fluctuation. It's normal for your cycle to change, but it could be feedback that something else is going on. And um, that has definitely been my experience that there has just been something that's been a bit off balance and I've been able to work with a healthcare practitioner to bring my body back into balance and ultimately bring my cycle back into balance. Saying that there are a few things that certainly, you know, we can do. And I know if my cycle, say for example, shortens by a day or two, we're not talking drastically here, but by a day or two, then that's usually a sign that I'm that I'm stressed. That's often how stress manifests for me in my cycle is um, it shortens in length. And so there are things that I know I can do to reduce stress in my life. I think stress is just one of the biggest um, impact, you know, has the biggest impact on our cycle. And for a lot of other women, it actually goes the other way. Ovulation is delayed and so therefore their cycle becomes lengthier and longer. And it's something during this pandemic I've heard a lot of people experiencing is a lengthier cycle. And I would mm. probably put that down to the impacts of stress. Because when the body is stressed, it's you know, it's primary function, it's you know, its intention is not to create a like a fertile environment, it's not that interested in procreation. So mm. um then you know the ovulation can be delayed the body needs a certain amount of energy and resilience and inner reserves to successfully ovulate so that can definitely throw cycles off and i think i'd just echo what you said there um that you know the the body's intelligence is to display symptoms and signs for us right so if you're not um conceiving or your period's longer or ovulation's delayed or your cycle is absent, you know, there's, there's a reason for that. And the mm. investigation that you spoke of before, or perhaps some internal changes or a cleanup of diet or whatever it may be for that individual woman um, mm. is important to continue investigating because um, yeah, symptoms and signs don't just appear for the fun of it, you know, there's, there's always a reason and our, and our body's creating a safe environment either to have a baby or to not. Um, and I think we can, we can work with it rather than against it. Yeah, exactly. I'm always really grateful when I notice that there are changes in my cycle because it just feels, it just feels like such incredible wisdom to be able to receive that little like, Hey, like ding, 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 like mm. something else isn't right. It's not just that there are issues within the cycle. The menstrual cycle is connected, you know, intricately with all the other systems in our body. And so mm. it's just a brilliant feedback system. So it's not necessarily that it's just, you you're experiencing heavy menstrual bleeding just for the fun of it. Like you say, <laughs> it's a sign that something else, something else is, mm. um, is going on. You just chose, yeah, yeah the right word. There, it's just the wisdom of the body yeah exactly so i'm always you know okay cool thanks like i get it okay something i need to look at, at what's going on so i think stress is a really great place to start and just starting to practice more mindfulness again getting enough sleep not overloading our plates learning to say no and, and um, having boundaries you know just being mindful of where we're giving too much i think that's often a great place to start also looking at the circadian rhythm so how's your 24-hour hormonal cycle going are you getting up at the same time and going to bed at the same time every day how much time are you spending on screens um what is you know the quality of your sleep like are you sleeping you know a good eight hours and sleeping through the night that you know there are things that we can do to begin to to bring more order to that 24-hour hormonal cycle and that has an impact on that monthly hormonal cycle as well and that is often a place where people feel like right away they know what changes they need to make to get their 24-hour clock in um, in greater harmony and yeah I would say that you know they're the things that we can definitely all of everything else we've already spoken about you know like being mindful of eating a whole foods diet, drinking plenty of water, exercising the body. Um, we can create hormonal order by, by just taking care of, of the basics. And if you're still, you know, if you're still noticing that something is off, then it is definitely time to reach out for, for more support. Mm. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, now you spoke a bit about heavy bleeding then, but I guess I'm curious, have you got any comments around the absence of bleeding on occasion? Mm -hmm. I've had clients that have not had a period for years and, um, yeah, I mean, I realize you've spoken a little bit to this in the chat, but do you have anything specific to mention around, you know, the absence of bleeding? Mm. The absence of bleeding is going to suggest the absence of ovulation. And something that I've been learning more about specifically from um, Lara Bryden, who wrote the period repair manual, is that really ovulation is like the star of the show. You know, the entire menstrual cycle really is orchestrated to support ovulation. And a healthy ovulation is really important for the female body, for um, for bone health, for um, various cancers, minimizing our exposure to various cancers, keeping hormones at, at a healthy level and also preparing us for transition into perimenopause and menopause. And it is a sign of, of fertility and health. And I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely be doing some inquiry as to where that has gone. Maybe um, low body weight could be an issue again, stresses. Mm. Um, having been on, um, you know, on different medications. And as I've said, you know, mine took a good couple of years post pill for it to settle. Mm. What have you found have been, yeah, some of the potential reasoning why behind someone isn't bleeding? Yeah. Well, I guess what came to mind then when you were speaking was just that from, from my naturopathic perspective is just to support the liver, you know, when you're coming off the pill, the load that's been on the liver for however many years you've been on it, just to give that a good clean up and allow the hormones to find their own rhythm and balance. Mm -hmm. And I do think um, being underweight is a big piece of it. Having mm -hmm. the right amount of fats, um, good quality fats in your diet so that hormones have some substance to, you know, um, be created from in the liver um, and stress obviously is a big factor. Stress is a big factor. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, like the body is so smart. It, it, it knows, you know, if the body, if there is stress, then, um, it's, it's going to take everything, you know, all the precautions to make sure that, um, you know, that that fertile window, you know, doesn't necessarily lead to, to a baby. It can be really hard for people to hear when they are also trying to conceive or trying to get their mm. period back. And it can also be really frustrating to hear somebody say, just like stress less or stop stressing because oh, yeah. um, that's just so infuriating <laughs> to hear somebody yeah. say that. And so it's not even necessarily like big stresses in our lives. We can't avoid things like moving house or breakups or like stressful days at work. I mean, stress is a natural part of life. It's often looking at the, you know, the mild, like that mid-level stress that we're sort of all walking around with all the time because we're on our phones constantly and we've got a million notifications going off and we've, mm. we've overcommitted and we haven't given us, ourselves enough time and space to reflect or we're not prioritizing really good quality sleep or we are having loads of coffee and, and stimulating cortisol and stimulating, um, you know, that, that that high energy state in the body all of the time and we're unable mm. to access a more rested yin mm. like held place you know we haven't you know, we haven't been in that more like feminine state of, of nourishment and rest and pleasure and like that's been a huge part of my journey is just stepping out of that like masculine do 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 get everything done you know like every day energy and the menstrual cycle menstrual cycle awareness has really shown me that yes there is there are definitely moments for that like I love getting stuff done and I love being busy and I love catering to people who I love in my life but actually it's equally important to prioritize rest and pleasure and downtime and saying no and just like totally nourishing ourselves and um and I think yeah, it's such a gift that the cycle offers us these, these, you know, that autumn week and certainly the winter phase mm. in the menstrual cycle.
cycle to really to really nourish and refill the tank. So I would say if you're having you know sporadic periods and if you are bleeding at some point, even if it, they are really long cycles, I often say this to clients who who have very long cycles, but they are you know they are working with a practitioner to figure out what's going on. That when they do bleed, that it's like drop tools, you know, like you've got to stop and mm. rest and recharge and like plug in and fill yourself up. Like there is no powering through that period when it does happen because your body is how miraculous if you've been waiting so long for your period to return and then you have a bleed and you have a period, then like this is the moment to honor, to honor your body and to just nourish it with great food, lots of rest, lots of sleep and, and take care of yourself even if it's just for like a day of that bleed um if you can to really to really up that rest and it's definitely been my experience personally and i've seen this in clients that the more we can take time out of menstruation to do that refilling and that recharging then the more energy and the more order we have in the rest of the cycle um I'd love to see some research on that. It's definitely not something that anyone's spending any money on right now to study, but yeah. God, I would love to see the connection between a, a more restful period and, and higher energy levels and, um, you know, and more fertility, more cervical fluid, you know, throughout the rest of the cycle as well. It's, it's incredible to me. Anecdotally, the stories that I hear about this, do you have that experience? Yeah, I was really hoping that you spoke to that. So thank you. Just that mental, emotional um, adjustment. And sometimes it's hard to, I, I observe, sometimes it's hard for clients to accept the recommendation of a lifestyle change as opposed to diet, mm. nutritional supplement changes or mm. additions. Um, it's, it's yes, I don't know why it sometimes takes well it takes a lot more effort uh, mm -hmm. because there's possibly more acceptance around that busy go 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 achieve um, oh, yeah. orientated lifestyle um, so although it's sometimes free and um, at our fingertips, it's harder, yeah. 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 That um, capitalist conditioning really runs deep in our, in our, and we place so much value on productivity and, and achieving and doing and constantly moving forward. And gosh, I think it's one of the biggest gifts my cycle awareness practice has given me is just this monthly schooling. In my yeah. Beautiful. It's like dropping the tools and just, taking the you know my foot off the pedal you know for mm. like 10 days to two weeks and and that's not to say that I'm not still able to be productive or able to create or to connect of course you know we can still do all of those things on any day of our cycle um, but there's less I feel like I get I have I place less pressure on myself and I know how to work with the different energies now in a way that isn't just about exerting myself to the point of exhaustion which I did in my early 20s mm -hmm. very well very good at that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that brings me to my last point I love in your book how you've spoken about the four phases and the superpowers that are contained within each four phase mm -hmm. um I think it just you know, sheds a different perspective, like number 17, you've got winter's superpowers. And I think, you know, it would be somewhat normal for women to feel like the bleeding phase is um, annoying. It gets in the mm -hmm. way of life. And yet if you can reframe it and think of it as an opportunity to release and reset, which is what you've sort of framed that superpower as, um, mm -hmm. you know, it offers another opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. So, oh. Thank you for creating your book. Um, and I'd love you to share how people can grab a copy and how people can follow you and, you know, anything you want to share before we wrap mm. up. Of course. Well, you can find my book at any 
book sellers and if they don't have it then they can order it in for you um whether that's online or in store otherwise if you jump over to clairebaker.com slash book then all of the details for various um stores will be there and as Janelle said yeah Instagram is definitely my favorite place to hang out and share and do like daily cycle check-ins and like group check-ins so I'll you know get everyone you know who's following along to check in as well and see what day of a cycle we're on and how everybody's feeling um, but courses are where I spend most of my time teaching online courses now and so I teach a few different courses on cycle awareness throughout the year on like self-care and well-being in the cycle, creativity and productivity in the cycle, and also journaling the cycle. So that's all happening at clairebaker.com slash courses. I've got a new free class actually um, called Start to Chart. That's perfect if you're at the very beginning of your menstrual cycle awareness journey. And it's a 20-minute class that will show you exactly what I'm talking about, how to actually begin charting. I've got a free cycle chart you can download and print off and start using right away beautiful so much mm -hmm. juiciness to access thank you claire i've loved our chat and i appreciate mm. you coming on to the wellness alchemy podcast oh thanks so much for having me i've really yeah loved our conversation thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the wellness alchemy podcast i hope you enjoyed episode 17 if you're wanting to stay in contact join my monthly mailing list or hop on to Facebook or Instagram and follow Seeds of Health where I'm most active. I also provide individual consultations face-to-face -face and online, as well as running my th three-month Skin Alchemy program. See you later.